So uh, we're back now on, what is this, episode... Uh, <laughs> At some point we're going to have to start putting time marks on the wall, because yeah. I think it's seven. This should be seven. Where's this is episode seven of uh, A Few Points from Perfect Podcast. Uh, I'm Jason. Jason works a lot. You are... Uh, Mr. Dirt Perfect. Mr. Mr. Huh? Mr. Dirt Perfect. We are professional. I'm going Mr. today. I guess it's technically it's just Dirt Perfect, but... Yeah. Well, I was going to go with Mike, oh. also known as... <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, Mr. Dirt Perfect is fine, too. We can go there. It changes daily. It depends... Well, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in this episode, we're going to cover uh, what we would consider taking pride in your community, getting involved. Yep. Um... We're going to go in depth. I've got a lot of questions. You've got a lot of experience. So I've uh, always got answers. Yeah, that you do. And uh, just a brief reminder to anybody, if they've got suggestions or questions, that they can leave a comment here on YouTube or they can uh, send us an email at a few points from perfect at yahoo.com. So uh, with with that out of the way, I think we can get right into it. All right, shoot away. So you are, uh, you're Mayor Michelle, Mayor Mike, Mayor Derby. False, false, Yeah. false. uh Well, you have a you have a license plate that says you're the Derby man. Uh, well, there's also people that run around with license plates that claim a lot of things they're not. <laughs> I have no basis on that. I have a Logger Wade license plate on the front of mine, and I'd like freshly to, dented. Yeah, and I'd like to consider myself as Logger Wade runner up. <laughs> Just to be clear, the um, the Derby mayor is on the front of my truck. Yes, it was not placed there by me. It was a YouTube joke. Yes, and uh, my fault in this is I have not had time to take it off. <laughs> But what I, from what I understand, is it's not not just a YouTube joke. It's a, it's kind of a joke that, uh, it's it's around among friends, I guess. Yeah, it. Uh, I don't know how it ever got to YouTube, to be honest with you. But it's it was just a long running joke here in Derby. I guess I should back up to a little bit to explain of how we got to where we're at now. Is I grew up in a town about thirty minutes from here, a town of Troy. My family was very heavily involved in uh, community association and different things going on there. Mm-hmm. And they, my uncle and my dad and um, my grandparents, they raised um, close to half a million dollars to build a big community center down there. Okay. And the, the town, they never had full support of the town. I don't want to go into a bunch of details about it, but there, there was always a tug of war between the town and the group trying to do something. At that time, it was technically the parks board mm-hmm. uh, was the one that was doing all this. And I was, uh, that uh, this all happened from for me from the ages of about 8 to 15 is when a lot of this was going on. Okay. So I was as involved as I could be, you know, from cutting grass to volunteering to mm-hmm. everything, you know. And then as time went on, I got more and more and more involved. And long story short, to recap all this, um, the, the the group just finally threw in the towel. They were trying to part with it. There was a couple of things that happened, but they were tired of fighting with the town, and they were just like, all right, fine, we can see the project's dead. This is after the building had been built and operated for a couple of years. And um, a small little group got back together. We decided we were going to resurrect a fest we used to have, and I actually did that for two years. And uh, I, the mentality in the town was just not good you could just tell it was gonna be the same old song and dance over and over again so uh by the time i was uh 18 or 20 years old i was burnt out i had enough i you know i'd probably put more into community service than most people do in a lifetime um i was like I- i'm i'm out I'm, this is frustrating i'm done i'm not gonna have any part of it so i moved to derby to hide i was like <laughs> how'd that work for you leaving troy behind i'm out of here I'll, i don't want nothing to do with this no more you know i was like i kind of had the mentality of i've done my part i did my try i can say i did it i 
I'm just going to wash my hands of it. So right. Moved to Derby. Derby's a much smaller community. Troy's about 1,500 people. Derby's like 400 people. Mm-hmm. You know, Troy's an actual town. Derby's an unincorporated uh, community is the best way to describe it. You have a sign on the freeway, though. We do. So you got that going for you, at least. <laughs> so... Anyways, I moved to Derby, and I was just going to hide out. This is where the family farm was at. I was going to do my own thing, lay low, just, mm-hmm. you know, be a citizen. Right. I guess is the best way to describe it. And one of the local individuals here knew my involvement at the other town, Troy. Right. He approached me, and he's like, hey, you know, Derby used to have a community association. That's how we got the Derby Park down here, and it's been dormant for a lot of years. What would you think about if you got back involved and resurrected it and we started doing some stuff hey i know you're hiding from this one thing mm-hmm. but we would like to make you do that exact same thing <laughs> here yeah exactly <laughs> and uh, my initial reaction was no mm-hmm. uh, i was pretty much sticking to my guns this was about a year and a half two years after i had left troy and i'm like ah, i don't want no part of that i'm done i'm done, I'm done. well mike it was a pretty persistent persistent individual and finally what i agreed to was is uh if you guys follow me on youtube you know captain cleman mm-hmm. um i said i'll tell you what i said if you get Cla- captain cleman which is michael also I said, if you get him to be president i'll agree to be vice president and we'll do something with this and somehow they convinced captain cleman to agree to this but the moral I always tell this story and the moral of this story is they hadn't had a meeting in years so they were gonna. I had a meeting, and they were gonna pull everybody together and vote in these new officers, which was Michael Clayman and myself. Right. And uh, we we had a flood that year, and last minute we weren't able to make it, so we had to go pull a bunch of campers out. Mm-hmm. Well, they voted us in while we weren't there. So the moral of the story is, hell or high water, show up for the damn meeting. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that kind of goes into something I have written down here, which is a, a quote from Plato, which I actually I like. It's. Uh, one of the penalties for refusing to participate in politics is that you end up being governed governed by your inferiors. There's there's some truth to that. I, I think there's a lot of truth to that, but it only applies it don't apply as a blanket. Right, and I don't think inferiors is really a fair word in there. Right. Um, I would say you're going to be governed against your wishes. Yeah. More or less. So, so anyways, we got uh, Michael Clayman and myself got voted in as president, vice president, and that was in 2011. Uh, at that time, and I'm gonna, there's a lot that transpired in there. Michael Clayman ended up leaving, and I ended up taking over president a couple years later. He was heavily involved with a lot of the big things that happened, but from for his job perspective, he had to step away a little bit. Right. But um, so in 2011, uh, we took over the association. We had $3,500 to our name. And we owned a lawnmower. Was it a? It was one? a nice lawnmower. It yeah. was a Kubota. Oh, it wasn't a. Yeah, it was even a diesel. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But it was Kubota diesel. And we still got it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most impressive part about this. So fast forward later to December of um, 2020, mm-hmm. uh, we own close to six hundred thousand dollars worth of properties. We operate a park. We operate a community center, and we operate a boat ramp. Uh, we provide many services for the community, and we have about sixty thousand dollars in the bank. We also provi- we also make donations to the local fire department, to the local police department. Uh, we made donations to different scholarship funds, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of different things. And uh, extremely proud of what we were able to accomplish. And we're we're not stopping there. I mean, we have five, ten, fifteen, twenty year plans. Right. Uh, we've kind of really put 
Derby's a little bit of a touristy town, mm-hmm. and everything we did was to help support the other local businesses here. You know, we have two convenience stores, we have a tavern, we have a bunch of rental cabins, right. and the community center gave a reason for a lot more people to come here and have different events and stuff. So, I know that was a long about way to answer your question, how I become called Mayor of Derby, but right. that's, there, there is no technical Mayor of Derby. No. I am the president of the Derby Community Association. Which, by the way, is strictly volunteer. Strictly volunteer. Absolutely no govern factoring whatsoever. I right. mean, the only, we have influence because, you know, we're well established and we have, uh, I wouldn't say we have pool, but we know we can, we, we, we try really hard to stay out of the political scene. We, we want to govern what we got there and we keep trying to keep politics out of it as much as we can. But basically, and this is just me asking because I'm trying to understand this as well. Um, so essentially you represent not you individually, but the Derby Community Association represents a lot of good things for the community of Derby. And uh, would you say it's fair to assume that you kind of can see the best interests of most of the people here? Yeah, I mean, you've always got the people that don't agree with what you're doing. I don't care what you do in life. Not mm-hmm. everybody's going to agree with what you got going on. But you got to make it as fair as you can for everybody. Uh, we got a board of directors. The board of directors are uh, voted in by our members, and the member is just a technicality to be a voting. Uh, we have to, have to we have to have a voting audience. Okay. We have to have a group of people that are allowed to vote on the directors. Okay. Or the board of directors. So for I think it's like five dollars, you can become a member. Mm-hmm. That gives you the right to vote on your directors. Right. There's five board members. They get served two year terms. Uh, the board members then appoint an executive committee, which is vice president, president, and treasurer. Okay. So it'd be very similar to the way a lot of large corporations are set up. You have a board of directors. The board of directors appoints a CEO. That'd be your your president. Right. I have absolutely no voting power at all about what happens. Mm-hmm. I present it to the board. They make a vote. So you pitch the idea mm-hmm. to five individuals? Correct. Who are elected by? The members of the association. Who are the... Residents of the community. I don't remember all the details of the qualifications to be a member, mm-hmm. um, but uh, you don't have to be a resident in the community. You just have to have some involvement with it. Okay. I, I don't, I don't quote me on all the details. We got there's like seven or eight paragraphs in our bylaws about the definition of a member. Right. But uh, it's um, again, Derby's got a lot of what I call transplant people come in from different communities. They come here, they found it, they loved it, they stayed here. So we right. want to include everybody that uh, has interest in Derby, I guess. They don't have to necessarily be a citizen of Derby, but they have to have interest in Derby one way or another. Well, I mean, the, the another point to that is that Derby is a, a physical area on the map, and Correct. there's only X amount of square feet inside of that physical area. So it's not feasible for everybody to be interested in the best right. interest of Derby to actually live right. here. Because so, a lot of it's farmland too, right? Correct. So that's how we, um, you know, we try to keep the checks and balances as far as, you know, making sure uh, we have the best interest of the community as whole. You know, we stay in touch with a lot of the community business owners and cabin owners and mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of them support us, you know, as well, because they see the benefits of what we can bring into their business. So right. It's kind of the all for one uh, type mentality. So you mentioned that you've got a... I don't remember the exact dollar amounts, but they were they were pretty high of raised funds and then in the bank and everything like that. So I, I assume that's from fundraising. Yeah. So everything we've done 
<clears throat> excuse me, everything we've done, I think we've got one $7,500 grant. Everything else has either been, everything else has been private donations or through fundraisers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have the financials in front of me, but I would say whenever we went to build our building, it was about $350,000-ish dollars and 85 to 90% of that was privately funded. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was, <laughs> 85 to 90% of that was privately funded. And I'd say 75 to 80% of that was Michael Kleeman and myself, you know, knocking on doors and doing sales pitches and um, kicking the bushes, however you want to say it. You know, right. we went out and uh, that's one question we get all the time is how in the world did you fund this thing? How in the world did you get this money? And, um, there's we had a plan and there was a lot to that plan and our plan worked and I can elaborate on that if you want me to uh, yeah I think that'd be great so whenever you're going to raise money for a project like this um, the people you're gonna go after are normally business people and business people um, have a mindset mm-hmm. and a lot of business people don't care like a lot of these guys were convinced we were going to raise the money and get the building built. They want to know what's going to happen five, 10, 15 years down the line. What's your plan? Right. What's your end game? What can you see past the, <clears throat> excuse me, can you see past the end of your nose? So what Cleveland and I's approach was, is we put a binder together. Uh, and in this binder we had, we had a, a blueprint of the building, mm-hmm. what we were going to build, seating capacity, all this. We already had a lease agreement on there, what the rules of the lease were going to be. And then we had a 5, 10, 15-year financial plan of how many rents we had, how many days we had to rent that to make payments, how many days we had to rent that <clears throat> to show a profit. Mm-hmm. And one of the early uh, game plans we were going to do was uh, we were going to sell $50 memberships, which was basically we were pre-selling rental dates. Right. So if we could pre-sell 50 rental dates, we already had our bills paid for the year and everything else was profit. And a lot of those business guys thought, hey, that's a these guys are these guys are thinking ahead. You know, they kind of get so. You know, in, in every business guy we talked to, we'd flip through and we'd show them the blueprint. Oh, that's nice. And we'd show them. Oh, that's glad you did that. And then we, when we got to that, this is how we're going to pay for this thing, and these are the numbers we need to hit to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. That's when they decided, all right, how much you need. You know what? Right. It's and it wasn't because of the plan we put together. It's that we actually thought far enough ahead to have a plan. So it was a good plan. Yeah. So, so they had confidence that if we got this thing built their money was going to be sitting there rotting down in an abandoned building. Right. And keep in mind, for the previous issue I had at Troy, I had my name was tied to a failure. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That, that, that community center failed, and I was part of it. Right. So what are you going to do different here? Um, and everything from the sizing of the building to the amenities the building offered. Um, so that, that project folder was our sales tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, we had help of other individuals in the community to get us in, in to get meetings with people. And uh, eventually, once we started raising some money, we had enough money to get the building under roof. Okay. So at this point, we decided, let's get this thing going. Let's get something physical on the ground that these people can see what they donated their money for is actually here. Yeah, it's something. It was a little bit of a risk because we didn't have the money to finish the building, but we needed to see what was going on. My, then my sales pitch changed a little bit. I'd say, uh, hey, Bob, I need drywall. You want to sponsor my drywall? Mm-hmm. How much is drywall, Mike? $4,500. All right, put me down for drywall. 
Hey, Jim, I need cabinets. You want to buy me some cabinets? How much cabinets? $3,700. Yeah, put me down for cabinets. So then I started selling actual things in the building. Right. You know I mean? Well, now, you know, now you're actually buying something. Right, right. You so now, now Bob can go in there for the rest of his life and say, hey, man, I'm about to drive on this place, you know? And Jim's right. in there bragging about his cabinets he got. And, right. Uh, John's, you know, bragging about the urinal he bought. I mean, I that's not a John John joke, but you can... <laughs> You didn't did, even catch it. Did this point, you did you plan on that? How long have you been planning on that joke? A while, ever since I talked about Bob. Okay. <laughs> and that's not being deceptive. I mean, that's... no, no, that's uh. So as you know, then, then that started catching some. That started catching some momentum, and the next thing you know, we got our building finished, and we got forty thousand dollars left over. Which is sizable. You know, and and, and and rentals are coming in. Uh, better than expected. We never had to implement the $50 memberships for the uh, pre-sale dates because we could see right off the bat we were going to exceed all of our, all of our expectations were very, all of our projections were very conservative. Mm -hmm. And I think that's another thing the business people appreciated is they were very, very, very realistic right. expectations of what was going to happen. And you know, one thing I will add is we did a bunch of research too. We we traveled around to seven or eight different facilities that were larger, smaller, or very similar to ours or what we were wanting to do. Mm -hmm. Talk to them, kind of get an idea of what they were doing, what was working for them, what wasn't. Because size, man, size was a big thing. You know, we see 150 people. So size matters. Size matters. Yeah. And in this case, bigger was not better. Ladies. <laughs> bigger was not better. <laughs> Um, because we went on the 150 because we decided we could have a decent sized wedding, but we still get rentals for like bridal showers and baby showers and small family reunions and retirement parties. Right. You know, something that we could keep our rent low enough that those small things could still be a viable option for us, graduation parties. Mm -hmm. But we still can accommodate. We have 150 inside, we have about 50 outside, so we can still can accommodate a decent sized wedding, you know? Right. Um, so that, that was a big deal as far as size in the facility. So all of this so far conversation has really been about the actual community center, mm -hmm. the physical building. Mm -hmm. um, do you guys do other things aside from just providing that building? So the, the way the Derby Community Association started is uh, there used to be a very large rock quarrying operation here in Derby, mm -hmm. and they loaded rock on barges on the Ohio River and shipped it upriver, downriver, wherever. And they closed up shop in the middle 80s. Uh, so they left the Derby Riverfront very industrial, very abandoned, a dump. Mm -hmm. Let's just put it that way, a dump. So a couple people in the community got together and decided they needed to do something. And they talked to Malzers and said, hey, can we turn this into a park? And Malzers agreed to it if they could have the namesake on the park. And they were the, the rock company. Malzer was a rock company. So the Derby Community Association raised some money. They turned it into a park, which was about a third of the property, okay? Uh -huh. And uh, then the Perry County Parks Department came along, and they said, hey, we'll take that over for you. And we're like, we got the park done. So the Derby Community Association's like, all right, take it. Well, politics changed, things changed. The original group was still around, and, and things weren't getting taken care of the way they were supposed to. And the other two-thirds of the park was getting grown up and kind mm -hmm. of a mess. So that's why the Derby Community Association come back to be. So uh, originally, all we owned, we, we, we had um, one-third of the park transferred back to us to build a community center on. Okay. The Perry County Parks Department still owned the actual park, 
and we had not bought the boat ramp yet. So we started off just with that. Mm-hmm. We got the building done. Actually, we were in the middle of building the building, and the individual that owned the other third of it, which was the boat ramp, which is the community's boat ramp, he decided he was going to sell it, and the community association jumped in and like, man, if we lose this boat ramp, that is a big, big, big ticket item for us, and if it goes private, we're in trouble. Right. So in the middle of building this building and scraping for every dollar we can find, I had to find a way to raise another $90,000 to build a boat ramp we, or buy a boat ramp we never even thought about buying because we just thought that this individual was going to let the community use it forever, you know, being naive. Right. So in the middle of building a building, I put together this deal to get the boat ramp. So now we got it secured. We get the building done. We operate it for about a year. And then the Perry County Parks Department comes to us. We're like, hey, we'd really like if you just take this all over. I was not a big fan of taking the park over from a business standpoint, from the association, because the boat ramp made money, the building made money, the park was a dead ass expense and right. still is to this day. I mm-hmm. mean, there's you know there's rules written in there. We can't rent it. It has to always be public. There's a lot of liability down there. Mm-hmm. I was perfectly fine with the parks department keeping that park and having all them troubles, but which is potentially why they wanted you to have it. It is, and. Um, this is one of the times the board went against me. I, I advised them to let the Parks Department keep it, let it be their problem. Mm-hmm. And, and the board wanted control over it, which I understand that. I get that. Right. Uh, and if we ever wanted to make any improvements over there, then yeah, we're improving our own property and not somebody else's property because we, ha- we ha- do have intentions of spending a substantial amount of money there, putting in new boat slips and stuff like that. So over the course of about five years, uh, we, you know, community center boat ramp, and then we took over the park, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what we have today is the uh, park, community center, and boat ramp. They're all they're three they're three separate properties, but they're all three aligned together along the river. And uh, that was all accomplished by fundraising, essentially, yep. right? You didn't yep. have to to uh, borrow any money. No, that we uh, well fundraising and being creative. <laughs> so, which you're uh, good at. The uh, the building itself, we have no money borrowed on whatsoever. We we 100% had enough private donations and the one small grant to build the building. Um, whenever it came to pave the parking lot, we did ha- we did do two fundraisers. We did a large gun raffle, which was very profitable, about twenty five thousand dollars, and then we had a private donation for twenty five thousand dollars, which paved the parking lot. So that pretty much took care of that property as a whole. Right. Um, the boat ramp, if you remember me talking about the boat ramp, um, it was a $90,000 purchase. Mm. Okay. I was able to come up with $50,000 down payment. I was, going, I was able to get the other $40,000 on an interest-free loan from an individual, and I had to have it paid off in 10 years. <laughs> and the deal was is after we paid all expenses on the boat ramp, I would pay him the remaining balance of what was left. Mm-hmm. And I promised to have it paid off in 10 years if he gave us an interest-free loan. Actually, it was three different individuals went together to give us that interest-free loan. So we're, uh, we are six years into this thing, and I think we owe like $4,500 on it. So we're, well, you know, we're way ahead of schedule of doing what we said we were going to do. Right. Uh, so if, if you want to count that as debt, that would be our one debt. But uh, looking back on it, a lot of people thought it was too ambitious to tackle that at the time. But um, if we wouldn't have done that, we would have been in trouble. I mean, it was a very key decision that turned out to be much more important to the Derby economy than we realized it's keeping that boat ramp. Because that's a, a that's a, a concrete revenue generator for you guys. Well, it's not only a concrete revenue generator for us. It's not as much about the revenue for us as it probably brings three to 400 people to Derby a weekend. That's a good point, which also then potentially, I mean, this is 
Best case scenario, puts three to 400 people in cabins. Yep, cabins, restaurants, gas stations. I mean, right. that's that's why we're here. We're not here to necessarily make money. We're here to bring people to Derby so they spend money. Right. You know, we gotta make, we gotta make, we gotta make enough money to stay in business, but we're not trying to turn a big profit over here. We're just right. trying to get people here. Which, I mean, to try and make that sound, I understand what you're trying to say, but to try and make that sound a little bit less corporate America, you have to have people coming into your community, spending yes. money to keep your community afloat and thriving. I mean, for you guys that don't know, we own one of the local businesses. We own the Derby Market here. Right. And the, and the locals are great. They support the heck out of us. But they keep the bills paid. Mm -hmm. It's the visitors that where you make your money. Right. So the more visitors we can get to Derby, the more money we make. Right. It's as simple as it gets. Which allows the Derby Market to be in existence, which right. allows people who live which in Derby. Which allows us locals to have amenities that we wouldn't have otherwise. Right. So in the grand scheme of things, everything that you guys are doing in the community association is essentially allowing other people to come in, visit Derby, spend their money, and support Derby's at Derby as a community. Correct. Okay. Correct. Um, so that would be considered, uh, I guess, somewhat of a local government? Yeah, I mean, I always hate to throw the word government with anything we do as far as a community association. We are a community organization. Mm -hmm. uh, we're pretty much, well, like our books are turned into the state, state board of accounts. You know, everything's everything's public. All of our minutes from our records are public. All of our financials are public. Right. The state has outlines of what a community association is supposed to do to be up to board, and mm -hmm. we follow all that. But uh, like whenever it comes to actually voting on like a county ordinance or a county tax law or, or county anything, we have no say. Yeah, you're hands off. We don't off. get a choice in that. Right, right. So like we can't, we can't, uh, the best way I can say this like is we can't uh, interact, we can't enact a law in Derby mm -hmm. or enact an ordinance in Derby. But like one thing we can do, and which we did do, is we can lobby the state of Indiana to say, hey, you need to lower the speed limit, puts up some playground signs in Derby. Mm -hmm. And we were successful in doing that. So that's kind of our role, if that makes sense. So your role is to then talk to the local and state government. Yeah. And potentially get things done, passed or written to help the community. I mean, I guess the best way I can say it is, is if um, an individual from Derby goes and complains about something, it's much more powerful. We have more clout if the Derby Community Association goes and because they're they're backed by everybody else behind them and right. Um, it's it's government. It's politics. We you know everybody's got strings they can pull and everybody wants their back scratched. So you kind of gotta play the game. Right. Which is kind of where I'm trying to lead into. I think is um, you know I I wanted to cover a little bit of the difference between local state and federal government because i th i think a lot of people that's a whole other podcast yeah i know uh, can we get the cliff notes of it <laughs> well i think a lot of people see the word government and they immediately just dislike it and i, I can't blame them the, the politician you know it's, right. they're dirty words that people don't want to pay attention to so the the reality of the fact is is your local government has more effect on your day-to-day -day life than any other government out there right and it's probably some of the most votes you'll make, uh, most important votes you'll make in an election. And I don't think enough people put enough uh, thought or everybody always got, you know, the president, the governor, you know, Congress, the big picture guys up right. there, which they are important. But guess who talks to those guys? Your local people. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It, it stair steps up. You know, guess who makes 
We can make an ordinance where you can shoot a firecracker off at nine o'clock at night or not. It's the local guys. You right. know, guess who makes an ordinance whether your dog has to be on a leash or not? It's the local guys. Yeah, the, the president of the United States doesn't quite care about. Yeah, your he don't care about that. Now, so your local go- your local government um, is extremely important because they make decisions that affect your day to day life. But those guys are the ones that lobby the other guys. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that go talk to your state representative, your house representative, your senators, um, governor possibly. Right. Uh, depending on where your state's from, you know, maybe in the vice president or the president or, or the um, house majority leader, or mm-hmm. et cetera. I could go on and on and on. Right. So um, knowing how your local government works and uh, like, I'll be honest with you, like here, the way our county's set up, we got uh, commissioners and we got county councilmen. So we got three county commissioners and I think we got seven county council people. Mm-hmm. Well, hell, for years I thought they were the same damn thing. I'm like, well, they just got different names, but they do the same thing. No, they don't do the same thing. They, they're com- two completely different jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, the county commissioners see day-to-day operations and, and vote on things. The only job the uh, councilmen have is putting the budget together. They're just checks and balances on the budget. So okay. if you're worried about money in your county, you need to be on the, you know, seeing who's running for council. If you're worried about day-to-day operations and uh, ordinances and stuff, well, you need to be on the commissioners. Now, is this something that varies county to county? It does vary county to county. I'd say it's there's always a similar setup, but a lot of it has to do with the um, population of the county. Okay. Um, uh, you know, some counties are cities, you know, like right. Indianapolis. So that, you know, that, that does vary quite a bit, but it's still those local people, they're the ones you can, that's your, the local people are your entryway into all levels of government. So no matter what, or no matter where you live, you're going to have somebody who does that role. They might be called something different. They might be called something different and maybe structured different, but you're going to have a district guy or a, right something. So... Again, jumping around a little bit, um, do you think it is important for people to get involved, not necessarily in politics, but in their community? Well, absolutely. I mean, I I could go on and on and on about this, but... Well, let me ask you something. Can can one person or maybe a group, a small group, say less than 10 people, can they make an actual noticeable difference in their the way their community operates? Can they make it better? Oh, yeah, that's a, I mean, I hate to be rude, but that's a stupid question, absolutely. It was a loaded question. I mean, that's, um, I, I don't know how to say this without being tactical, but you've got to be organized and you've got to have a good cause, mm-hmm. and you got to go about it the right way. Right. You can't go in there like you're killing cats and, you know, this guy's an idiot, that guy's this, that guy, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And a lot of conversations... Need to, they don't need to be having on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and right. all this stuff. You need to go to the horse's mouth and you need to talk to the person and hash it out and, and make a deal and figure it out. I'm not saying like have a bunch of crazy closed door meetings that are illegal or anything, mm-hmm. but if you've got a problem with your local commissioner, don't be blasted all over Facebook. Go talk to him. Right. You know what I mean? Which you I, can do. Which you can do. You can make an appointment. That's their job. Yeah. I mean, that that is their job. Well, I I think in this perspective... Trust me, in this county... They know you. <laughs> they know who I am. Yeah. <laughs> Very well. Right, which 
Some of them hide from me, but they can't make it. I, I find them. But we, we, I should say we're very fortunate. We have a lot of good. Uh, and I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. We got both commissioners here. Right. I don't care if you got a damn R or a D in front of your name. Mm-hmm. Could care less. You know, this is what I want to see done. And you're not generally asking for anything astronomical here. No, 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 no. It's just, um, and it's not, you know, some, I'll, I'll be 100% honest with you. Everything we've done in Derby, we haven't got one ounce of help from this county. Mm-hmm. And, and one of my, I was so damn pissed off. You know, we had our open house. We didn't have one county official show up, which I thought was extremely damn disrespectful. I agree, yeah. And they heard about it. That's it. And they heard about it. Um, I think they still uh, hear about it. I don't doubt that. I think uh, what I'm trying to get at is my perspective here from this conversation is that I was very uneducated in all of this, and I'm still pretty uneducated in all of it, but I'm interested in learning now that I've started learning about it. Um, and I think that I represent a large majority of probably the population in this country that's just clueless on how any of this works. Mm-hmm. Um, so for someone like you to tell someone like me, like, hey, you actually can go talk to Joe Schmo over there who does this and controls that, and you might be able to get that pothole fixed or, right. I don't know, you, um, fix the traffic, like get street signs put up, do something productive for your community that will make your life, your neighbor's life, and everybody who comes to visit a little bit better. You've got to go about it the right way, though. That's where so many people fall short. So I shouldn't create a Facebook page and start yelling at these people? No, that's not a good idea. Not a good idea. No. What, what is a good idea? You gotta have a plan. Okay. You gotta have facts to back up your plan. So this goes back to your binder. Well, I guess, yeah, mm-hmm. it does. But I mean, you just can't go in there blowing smoke on willy nilly. There's, there's always. I don't care how passionate you are about your side of the story. There's always another side of the story, and you gotta be willing to listen to it with an open mind. So you can hear the other side of the story, and then once you hear their side of the story, and you know your side of the story, you got to be grown-ass damn adults and figure out a happy medium between. There is always a compromise. Is there ever a possibility that you tell your side of the story, they tell their side of the story, and you might actually see their side? Yeah, it's happened before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because so this... they, you know, government is very, very, very complicated. Mm-hmm. It, it's, I, it's, it just is what it is. You know, there's so much, and I think that's one thing a lot of people don't realize. Why did they do that? They didn't do this. Like, I'll give you an example. Uh, in our county, mm-hmm. uh, a couple years ago, they were paving a whole bunch of roads, and everybody was all bent out of shape. Why are they paving that road? They just paved it five years ago. Yada, 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 going, oh, they should have paved this road. It's full of chuckos. The answer was simple. They got a grant from the state to pave county roads that are connected one state road to another state road. Mm-hmm. It's either they paved the road or they didn't get the damn money. Right. The county didn't have a choice of which roads they were going to pave, but they it got was. free money to pave this road. So, heck yeah, let's pave it. Why are we going to let that money go to waste? Right. There's people in this county that were, they lost their minds because they thought county officials were so stupid because they were paving this road and not that road. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a choice. You know, there's more right. to it than what meets the eye, and you've got to keep that in mind. Uh, that's just one example that comes to mind, but that happens a lot. I was one of those people. I'm like, I would definitely have been one of those. I'm people. like, Tom. I'll say it, Tom. What the hell? He's yeah. like, Mike. It's either we use this money to pay that road, or we don't get the money and Dubois County does. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> so a simple phone call kind of negates all that right. anger. But I didn't go on Facebook or go start, you know, blasting Tom at the gas station or, right. or talking to my friends at the ball game about Tom. Mm-hmm. I called Tom. What the hell you doing, Tom? Oh, right. cool. Sounds good, Tom. Makes sense. I'm glad you guys got that grant money. Thanks for writing that grant. You know what yeah. I mean? Right. So there's always more than meets the eye then. Right. Um, so we covered a good bit of this. I got to catch up on my notes here. Uh, so this is a little different than the actual community association, but, um, what is your thought on like, say, support, uh, supporting local businesses, uh, for example, being like the Derby market. So, uh, back to the Derby community association, that's one of the main reasons we do what we do is support the local businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got different relationships with different businesses. It, it gets a little bit complicated. It, again, it's like government, it gets too complicated, but at the end of the day, uh, this applies to businesses or people or whatever. You get out of your community what you put into it. So obviously the businesses that support us more get more out of what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, same as the individuals. Uh, so I don't, there's probably f- seven to ten businesses in Derby, and I think everybody gets a little bit something different right. out of it. Uh, but, uh, I mean, we don't pay favorites by no means. I think I meant more along the lines of, uh, say, supporting your local business versus Amazon.com or Walmart.com. Oh, yeah, that's and that's fortunately been a very big movement here uh, in a while back. I think what some people realize, especially with this virus situation we got going on, is it don't take as much as we think to interrupt that supply chain. Right. You know, and, you know, we, we sit in a kind of a rural area here and, and stuff in our store is a little bit of a premium because it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But you pay for the convenience of it right? and you've got to support the people. And if I have a choice to go to a big chain gas station or a locally owned one, I'll go to a locally owned one every time because I know how hard somebody's worked to make that happen. I This goes back to our being self-employed as a lifestyle. I don't think right. a lot of people realize how much work goes into running a retail business. Well, this is a completely loaded question because I've got a point I'm trying to make here. I know. Yeah, I'm just getting you. You're leaving me there. Yeah. I I know. I'm like an old bull. I don't like to go that way. Yeah. So essentially, supporting your local business, and I'll use the Derby market for the sole purpose that everybody, I think, who's listening to this at this point has heard about it. What's that? The Derby market. Never heard of it. Yeah. (laughs) find that hard to believe. Um, So supporting, say, the Derby market versus ordering from... I don't know. We'll use, going to Walmart. Yeah, going to Walmart. Because you guys, you sell an assortment of, of things. I bought earplugs. Um, I could go to Walmart to buy earplugs. I could go to Amazon.com and buy earplugs. Probably cheaper. Probably. However, if I live in Derby, it's not in my best interest to do that. And, and unless the Derby market doesn't have them. Right. Um, because the Derby market plays an important role in the community as far as supporting the community as well. Yeah, the, the Derby Market's a very big donator to the Derby Community Association. Mm-hmm. Um, the Derby Market uh, donates to... I mean, the Derby Market does a lot more than just provide a service for the community, and they're able to do that because the community supports them. Right. Is the best way to put that, I guess. So how about taxes? So uh, we are a 501c3. So if you were a... a we are an official uh, federal. Um, we are federally recognized as being a non-for-profit. So if you write a donation to us, it is 
tax deductible. Okay. So basically, uh, it depends on your tax status and your account and all that stuff, but it comes straight off your uh, profit line. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, expense it out basically. Right. Um, so I do think Are that. Are you trying to say you'd like to make a donation? Yes. <laughs> I would like to donate. Make checks payable too. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to make a donation from the proceed account of Dirt Perfect YouTube. Yeah, wait a minute. I've done, I've done, I've done drain that one dry, I think. <laughs> um, is it possible to actually become involved like this, like you do, I guess? Uh, maybe not to a level of you, but involved in a way that'll make a difference or make someone feel like they're making a difference while that person still has a full time job? I mean, I've probably had two or three full-time jobs while I was still doing this. Yeah, you know, I think the one of the first keys to being involved is you got to find something you're you're a little bit passionate about. And uh, one, I get asked this a lot: Why in the world do you do what you do? Why do you put too much time into this? And it's kind of a <clears throat> it's kind of a stupid <clears throat> excuse me, kind of a stupid and a little bit of a <clears throat> selfish answer. But I grew up in Troy. Mm-hmm. We covered that in the first half of this. Right. And whenever I told people I was from Troy, I kind of rolled their eyes and looked like, you know, oh, my God, you grew up in Troy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. Of course, I was a naive kid. I'm like, yeah, Troy, you know, Troy Trojans, let's go. Realized that was a joke. But anyways. <laughs> so um, as I got older and realized that um, Troy's not a – like nobody grows up and says, I want to move to Troy. You know right. what I mean? It's just not a place you – it's a place you strive to get out of. It's not a place you strive to go to. Okay. And uh, so one of my driving factors, and of course I started doing all this before I ever had kids, one of my driving factors was is I want my kids to be proud of where they grew up at. Like, I want them to say, I, I grew up in Derby. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and I, they, can, they can travel the world. They can do whatever they want. But I want Derby to be a viable option for them to grow up and raise a family here if they wanted to. Right. Troy's not a viable option to do that. Okay. It's just not. I, the pop, yeah, the population of Troy is probably 70 years old. So that, that was kind of a driving factor of, um, I need to get involved. Like this is a community that people want to be part of and, you know, give it a viable option for my kids to want to grow up and raise a family. If they want to go off and do their own thing, I'm not going to, you know, not going to stop them from doing that. So. Mm -hmm. That was kind of the driving factor. I know that was probably a little bit of a selfish reason, but it was my reason. So I don't think it's selfish because if you feel that way, a lot of other people. Well, feel and that uh, way. ever since we've done what we've done, a lot of people have moved here, and Derby's kind of become the um, <clears throat> the hot spot in the county. You know, right. we're building a four hundred thousand dollar house right now, mostly because of what we've done. There's been mm-hmm. multiples of those houses built. And I mean, we're we're moving down here. Yeah, you're getting ready to move down here. So, yeah. so the foundation has been laid for it to be. Um, a good community. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? A, a good community to raise a lot of young kids, a lot of young families here, a uh, good school system. You know, it's just got a lot lot going for it. So, to answer your question, you got to find something you're passionate about. You know, you don't, if you don't care about farming, you're not going to go get involved with the FFA. Right. <laughs> I mean, Future Farmers of America. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it's got to be something you're, you know, and it could be something as simple as the something at the kid's school or Boy Scouts or, you know, it can, you can be part of a bigger organization and still make a difference within. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing this county has is what they call uh, uh, futures, Future Leaders of Perry County. They do a class every two years, and that class does a project. The class right now is a group of about five people, and they're completely renovating the pool in town. It's like a $100,000 project. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they're doing a good job at that. They've, 
contacted me a few times about a few things and I've helped them all I can. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another community association just south of here, Rome. They're trying to renovate an old courthouse. So uh, there's, if you find something you're passionate about, you know, you find a core group of people to kind of build off of and, and you know, be methodical about it, have a plan. Absolutely, you can make a difference. Um, so I think everybody's, I've said this earlier, that everybody's got a bad taste in their mouth with government and politicians right mm-hmm. now. Uh, do you think that there is a solution to that? Do you think there's a common ground where people can kind of so, understand more of what these people have to deal with? A little bit. So one thing I want to say is everybody always talks about how awful government is, how awful politics are, how awful that politician is, and how awful this is, and how awful everything else is. It may be bad, but if we didn't have them, it'd be a whole lot worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. There, that's one thing you got to keep in mind. So if you don't have politicians, you don't have roads. If you don't have politicians, you don't have utilities. If you don't have politicians, you have no law and order. You know what I mean? It, there's Well, the other thing, too, is when was the last time that you called your doctor and said, hey, doc, I'm feeling great today? Or you called your mechanic and said, yep, car's running great. Right, right, yeah. You know? So, you know, everybody wants to always talk about the controversial things or the things they didn't do or the things they said they were going to do and they didn't have them. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever talks about the things they actually do do, you know, as far as keeping up infrastructure and... Right. Uh, government's a complicated beast. But and, it's necessity. It, but it is a necessity. We you know, need to keep that in mind is we, you know, <laughs> there's a reason why it's there. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people forget that. Right. Um, now, with that being said, it's government. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yes, and it's, I'm, not, I'm not trying to bring a, an unnecessary shining light to government, I don't think. What I, what I would like... Me personally, is I would like more people to be understanding of it. At right. Least. I, so before you, I know I keep saying this, before you go on Facebook and make a rant, yeah, fact check it. Right. Get the other side of the story. You should be going to websites that generally end in .gov. Yeah. You should be looking Get at the other side of the yeah. story because there is more to that. There, you know, talking about these stimulus checks. Mm-hmm. You know, why won't he sign this stimulus check? Well, because they got six million other things tied to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not just a stimulus check. That's just what they're blasting out there for you to see on TV. Right. I, I guess the moral of that story is, is you got to get your facts and don't make assumptions. And majority <clears throat> of that information, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I do believe that it's public information. Yeah, all of it's public information. Yeah, like, the, for example, the actual stimulus bill. Yep. And pack it is nobody ever, no, I shouldn't say nobody, but how many people actually go on there and read 500 pages of stimulus bill? I read about 20. Okay. And I got sick to my stomach. And you probably saying, did more than most people do. I would say so, yes. 99% of the people in the world probably either see a, four or five lines of that or they see on Facebook. Or yes. they see on the Cher- news. Cherry-picked lines. Right. Which is why I, I stress the point, you need to go to the government website, you need to Get the information straight from the horse's mouth. And the government does have a lot of pretty good websites. I mean, there's a yeah. lot of good information on there. Mm-hmm. I don't know why more people don't use them. Well, it's it's not difficult, but it's also not the norm anymore. And if you were to Google the stimulus bill of 2020, that's not the first website that comes up. No. You know, for whatever reason, that was sarcasm. The government doesn't pay Google advertising rates to get their right. you know websites put on top. So you and you owe it to yourself to educate yourself, and if you can, and I'm not suggesting that you, well, at the time of recording, Thanksgiving's coming up, that you don't ruin Thanksgiving by talking 
no policies. But, I'm not even gonna say politics. You know, one thing I always tell people, and I had this conversation with my wife, is don't vote selfish. How many mm-hmm. people do you hear, well, I'm going to vote for this guy because he's going to keep my job the next two years. I'm sorry. I don't care about your job the next two years. I care about the country in 15 years. You right. know, which direction not, You're not just talking about the presidential race. No. You're talking about the rest of the ticket more because they're the people who are going to directly affect as a whole. Right. Because sometimes there's short-term pain for long-term gains, and there's a lot to be said about that. Right. And nobody can see past the end of their damn nose anymore. I mean, I'm... I'm having trouble seeing past this microphone, which is a couple <laughs> inches in front of my nose. So I guess I'm grouped in that too. Um, so do you think there is a, a perfect world answer of how to educate people better? It's a society thing. I just don't know. Uh, I think it. There, there's always been this propaganda Mm-hmm. From the beginning of politics in the Roman times to now, there's always been this propaganda thing. There's propaganda in the newspapers or conversations with local bar or whatever. But um, with social media and the internet, it's like it just went to a whole new level. Right. And everything's at our fingertips now. And everything's at our fingertips now. Whether and, we want it there or not. The sad part about that is, is now more than ever we got the truth at our fingertips our facts at our fingertips to make our own opinions yep but we don't use it when i read that the 20 or so pages of that stimulus check uh the stimulus bill excuse me i read it on my phone yeah but know. we don't use it we just go off the headlines on facebook or instagram or Which cnn is, or abc uh, or fox or you uncovered the hole i'm jumping down it so <laughs> oh boy so i've read a lot of these headlines recently and um and I'm not saying that they're favoring one side or the other. Any headline. The headline could read, the sky is blue. And you're like, yeah, that, that seems like it makes sense. And then you read the body of this paragraph, and it says nothing about the sky. Yeah, yeah. it's, uh, <laughs> it's Yeah, the, 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 the title it. and the article don't match up. Right. And that's uh, a lot of that, I think, has come from the social media wave, I guess, or whatever you I just, call uh, I hope, um, I hope... Society starts changing again to where we at least pay attention uh, a little more. Find out the other side of the story. Yeah. Fact check that. Yeah. Just don't. If you you know, um, uh, it's gonna have something's gonna have to give at some point. I mean, it. Yeah, and I think uh, if society would just become a little bit more involved, I'm not even gonna say educated because yeah. I don't want to insult anybody, but I do believe that there are millions hundreds of millions of people that are smart enough to read and if something. You get, if you get involved even on, let's just say you're, uh, if you're never involved in anything and you get involved with something as simple as your, your child's PTA or something, mm-hmm. just the way that group interacts, you'll learn a whole lot about the way government works. You right. know what I mean, and you learn that uh, you got to compromise and everybody has different opinions and just because it's not your opinion doesn't mean it's the wrong opinion. Right. You're going to have to find a way to make it compromise and work amongst everybody. Everybody should be somewhat happy, and the group as a whole should be moving in a positive direction. Yeah. You know, one of my biggest pet peeves in life is, you know, the uh, people just go on and on and on about, you should do this, you should do that. Uh, I had a gentleman here in Derby that called me one day that told me I need to get a hold of the Forest Service and tell them to tell the kids to stop dumping trash over there and just, you know, to get a committee together and need to do all this stuff. I'm like, and why can't you? 
Yeah. <laughs> you know? Why, why are you calling I don't have time. Yeah. Well, why do you think I have time? Well, that's what you do. No, that's not what I do. I, you know, if, if, if you're passionate about that, mm-hmm. do something about it. Right. You know, I got my projects I'm passionate about, and I'm doing something about it. Within... Well, I guess it just I guess it just won't happen then. Well, that's not the great attitude to have, but right. okay. You know, I, I can't do it all. Right. So if you're passionate about trash being dumped over there, do something about it. Don't and that's not call me, call somebody that can actually do something about it. Go call the people that you're telling you to call. Right. You know. Right. Take a little bit of initiative in improving your community. Right. For you know, take take else. responsibility, you know, like well, that falls under our accountability podcast as planned. <laughs> that one, I'm going to need something to calm me down on. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's uh, but I mean, yeah, you. There is no doubt, small things in the world make a huge difference, and they probably impact more people on a personal level than big things. Right. Well, I think um, a lot of what I what I would see as a correction to the issue would be I think a lot of people need to hear stories similar to yours and Derby. You can make a difference and you can make things better. And it's not – I'm not going to discredit what you've done, but it's not that hard in the grand scheme of things. Right, um, right. You know, and if, if more people – if there's 300 million people in this country, if 10% of them, if 5% of them actually made an effort to be a little bit better – and uh, be a little bit more proactive, then I think you would see tremendous change everywhere. And it wouldn't be a political change. It wouldn't be a left versus right change. It would just be a better change for everybody. Yeah, I mean, you can live in Chicago, and, and they have, um, you know, community groups. You know, six, seven blocks will go together. Right. Put a park in their community. And then if they want the city to change something, they got lobbying power. Right. They can go down there and say, hey, you know, we band together. We've got a plan. We represent X amount of people. We have, had, yeah, you know, and and that's that's not that far fetched or that unheard of. You know, it happens all the time. It's just one or two people taking an initiative, getting it organized, having a plan, mm-hmm. following through with it. Start small. Start small. Figure it out and, as you go. And right. Yeah, um, we are uh, we're closing in on an hour. We've got about seven minutes left. Is there anything that you would like to add? No, you know, I, I think we talked about it a little bit. You know, the Ger- the Derby Community Association is not a form of government whatsoever. Right. And I am not an elected official in this county, period. You had a reason for that that you've told me before. Yeah. Would you like to repeat your reasoning? Yeah, I don't care to repeat it. So I've been approached several times to run for different offices in this county. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't, and I and there's a reason why. I feel like I can do more good for this county not being an elected official and organizing groups and committees and initiatives and movements and projects and helping them push through, then I can't actually be in the elected official. Because once you're elected official, you kind of got your hands tied and you got a whole list of rules you got to play by. Right. Whenever I'm over here kind of in the free world, do whatever I want, pee off whoever I want, yeah. poke whoever I want, you know, nag at whoever I want, bug I get some stuff done. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you have any stories you're willing to share? Uh, none that are probably podcast appropriate, but um, I have my ways. I politicians like to play games, and so do I. Yeah, <laughs> just a matter of trying to play the game better. So you know, it's uh, now keep in mind everything that I do is in the best interest of the, of the community. I, I don't have, I don't try to ever have any personal gain from any of this. It's, right. You know what's best for the community, and. That's that's why I've never ran for uh, public office. I I just feel like I'm much more productive 
having, you know, if, if I got this project going, I need to be on the commissioners. If I got this project going, I need to be on the council. If I got this project going, I need to be pestering the mayor. If I got this right. project, you know what I mean? So I'm sure a lot of these officials would love for you to be an elected official. They probably would be. You could leave them the hell alone. <laughs> I've, I've been laying low here the last six, eight months. They've yeah. had it easy. So it, uh, Winter's coming, excavation's slowing down. Yeah, yeah, watch out. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but no, it, uh, I've just, uh, Maybe one day, but it's not. I mean, I, the amount of time I put into what I do, I'd probably spend less time if I was actually an elected official and had just a title and a job and a responsibility. But right, I, I feel like I can do more. Not even being the elected official, I feel like I can do more. You know, being the the organizer, the the leader, the. And I think pusher. ever since you said that to me, it was probably two years ago. We actually had that conversation, and uh, I've noticed it. I've noticed it where I live. Yeah. You know, you, you elected officials don't do much of anything, and it's not because they don't want to. It's generally because they can't. Yeah, they can't. You know, there, there a lot of things I do I couldn't do if I was an elected official because it would be a conflict of interest or it would be right. this or it would be that. or. And you um, can take the term conflict of interest and mold that to be however you want it to be. Right. Uh, right. Good or bad. And I think that if you are an elected official and you have a strong community behind you, well— it's a lot harder for somebody else to but, say that. So think about though, yeah, if you are that elected official and um, you've got something you want to push through or whatever, just think if you had that group in your community and you go to that leader and say, hey man, what do you think about this? You think you, you guys will be behind this? And then if that group backs that guy, you got twice the punch. Yeah, and that's can, a, that might be a group that has 400 members, just say. Right, right. But but then you can team up with that actual elected official, and you really got something. You know, you can... Right. And, and then you start climbing that food chain. You know, uh, Chris Temple's heavily involved with, uh, involved with the Farm Bureau. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's actually president of the Farm Bureau, which is a volunteer type thing. He's in the farming industry. But they actually have meetings two or three times a month or two or three times, I guess it's once a quarter, mm -hmm. with our local and state representatives. And they tell them, this is what we're facing. Which is pretty high up the food chain. Yes, which is, this is what we're facing in the in the, in the the agriculture or the farming world. And then they keep on taking that up the food chain. He's actually been to Washington, D.C. It's a few times. So so essentially, just to, to touch on that. he's not an elected official. Right. To touch on that, Chris Temple, Farmer Chris. Farmer Chris. Is now talking to individuals who are roughly... Five points away from the top of the food chain? Correct. And Actually, they get as close to two points away. Yeah, and he is, uh, he's just a regular guy. Just a guy down the street. Who's president of an association. Yeah, and, and now, whenever you're pestering these guys, I may or may not know from experience, but persistence pays off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you got to do it right. Squeaky wheel gets the grease. You got to do it right. Yeah. You know, uh, whenever... You're not standing outside of You know you're doing a good job whenever you see the guy at the gas station and he turns and tries to sneak in his car and hope you don't see him. <laughs> Do you generally just wait? Then you know you're line. getting somewhere. <laughs> so I guess uh, in short, that it's very important that people were, or people can get involved in a community. They can do it for free. They yep. can do it without much time invested. Yep. Phone calls. Everybody's are, got talents. Right. You know what I mean? And somewhere out there, the talent you have is needed mm -hmm. and can be utilized for, for the betterment of your community, the betterment of your family, the betterment of your Even if it comes down to fixing a swing set at your local park. Absolutely. You know, you the know. big thing, the big push here in Perry County has been for a while, and I don't want to get into this, I strongly disagree with the way they go about a lot of it, but it's the quality of life. We need to improve our quality of life. Mm -hmm. uh, and volunteering can do that for yourself 
and your community. Um, and then, and the, the more night, you know, the more uh, tight knit, organized community you got, the the better chance you are, are attracting other people to that community of the same stature. You know what I mean? Like-minded individuals. Like-minded individuals. Correct. So, yeah, I think that's about it. Awesome. Hopefully that made sense. So thanks for listening, guys. Another yeah. lovely podcast. Yeah, so. I think that was a good one. Um, as always, anybody who's got suggestions, comments, or concerns, uh, please leave them down below. If you're on YouTube, if you're listening to this after we've made the streaming service, shoot us an email at a few points from perfect at yahoo.com. Sounds good. Like we're out. I'm Jason. You're I'm Mr. Dirt Mr. Dirt <laughs> And that's another one done.